Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Tim Ung and Mike LaValle, welcome back to Entree Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's always great to be here and it's always great to see you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Nice to see you. Oh, I'm excited to have you guys back. It's uh, It's been a long time, way too long. Uh, you've both been on the podcast before. Uh, not together, as the dynamic duo of the Unpacking <laughs> Podcast, uh, but you've been here separately uh, back in 2000, uh, no, uh, I think it was, I'm not sure what year it was, episode 218, Tim, you were here, how to start an architecture firm. And Mike, you were here twice, once talking about SketchUp, and then a little while later, you came back and talked about burnout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, yeah, a little different. <laughs> so, so that sort of defines the, the, uh, the arc. Uh, episode 161, SketchUp for Small Firm Architects, and episode 254, Burnout as a uh, Small Firm Architect. Uh, both were actually very powerful, especially the burnout episode. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, both very talented architects, both prolific prolific content creators, uh, and both leaders in our profession. So it's great to have you both here today at Entree Architect Podcast. All right, so I want to jump right into origin stories. You both shared origin stories before, but it's been a long time since you've been here. So why don't we talk about how you discovered architecture, what inspired you to become an architect, maybe who inspired you, if, if that's the case, uh, and share that story to where you are today. Tim, why don't you start with your origin story? Sure. My origin story is pretty simple. Um, I grew up in a neighborhood in the Bronx in New York City where I actually wasn't supposed to become any of the professions in terms of the neighborhood I grew up in, what everyone around me usually pursued. And the path that I originally thought was set out for me was that I would eventually become someone who worked at a fast food restaurant, a waiter or something like that. And eventually I was fortunate enough through school to be referred by all of my teachers to another better school. And by the time I reached high school, I ended up going to a very a very new high school, actually, that was funded by the Gates Foundation. And this school had so many teachers that cared about what we would do. And one of the things that they did was they looked at what I was talented at, and they suggested that I go to a program in New York City called the ACE Mentor Program. 
and the ACE mentor program is this uh, architecture, construction management, and engineering program for students in high school. And they basically connect the student with professionals and you work on a project together. And the moment I joined that program, I fell in love with architecture because I had to pick a team. And the team that I picked was comprised of 17 different architects. And from that moment onward, I ended up working on a design competition with them. And at that time, I thought it was the best submission ever. But when I look back on it, it just looked like a, a kindergartner drew something. And I, I actually ended up winning that competition. And that's what set me off on this career of becoming an architect. Yeah, fantastic. Um, all right, um, Mike, what's your what's your story? Sure. Um, so when I was a little kid, I kind of dreamt of being, like, say, a mad scientist or a a doctor or a chemist or something, you know, working in, in some kind of science-based thing. And then I got to biology and I was like, nope, I'm not going to be a doctor. So <laughs> I, uh, the next year I took a course in physics and a technical drawing course and that kind of led me on the path to be uh, an architect, to be a designer. And ever since then, I've been really just fascinated by the profession, what we can offer as creative people, and the wide variety of things that we get into as architects. I think that's the thing that's so magical to me about the profession is it's not just like a one note thing where you have to be a generalist. Um, you almost have to know a lot about a bunch of different things in order to uh, not necessarily just thrive, but to appreciate what it means to be an architect and to create buildings holistically. So after uh, high school, I went to Syracuse University for five years, uh, came back to my hometown of Buffalo, New York, and have basically been living and working here ever since. Uh, I guess a combined origin story for Tim and I, I was working at a, uh, as part of the AIA Buffalo, Western New York chapter, and was doing like ARE prep courses. And Tim walks into one of my courses, and this is while I'm trying to get licensed and he's trying to get licensed. And I'm teaching this one course and he walks in and he's like, oh yeah, so uh, I took all these uh, uh, ARE exams all at once. And I was like, what, you did what? You took like five <laughs> or six at once? And I'm like, how did you do that? And uh, ever since that moment, uh, Tim and I have been friends. We've started blogging almost at the same time. And at some point we just said, hey, let's start a podcast. Um, so it's, that's basically how it came, to, came about. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I just wanted to, to share a little bit more about that because the moment that I got licensed, it was three years after graduating from college. And I would that was the moment that I actually met Mike. It was during my last exam. And I know that at that point, I had this feeling of what do I do next? Because yeah. my life was always filled with school, work, extracurricular activities. And then afterwards, it was working in the profession, studying for the exams. And as soon as I finished the exams, I actually didn't want to go back to just looking for things to do with friends. Instead, I was asking myself, what do I want to do that can help me propel my career or help me do something a little bit better or help me learn a new skill? And that was the moment that I started a blog called Journey of an Architect. And Mike had his blog, Evolving Architect. And because I knew that he started his blog that was helping young professionals around the world, I thought that it was a great opportunity for us to work together. And we started having these mastermind sessions, which I think a lot of architects do. And if you don't do it yet, I think it's worth finding people that you connect with who are on the same journey as you and actually taking the time to meet up together and talk through the issues you're having. And what I mean by that is when we started blogging, we didn't know anything about anything. We were basically starting from scratch and teaching each other how to do the things that we think are very simple today. And I, I know that whenever I talk to Mike about this now, we always laugh about the questions that we used to ask each other. Like, <laughs> how do you move a picture a few pixels to the right or the left? How, why, why did you start the blocks? As young architects, you, you're, both, you're both recently licensed at the time. What, what, was, the, what was the blog for? Uh, yeah, so I'll go, I guess I'll go first. So for me, I started Evolving Architect because I wanted to put my voice out into the world and I felt like the best way to do that was to get on the internet. And I, I loved writing. I loved sharing my voice through writing and the written word. And that was the natural first place for me to go. I wasn't 
particularly comfortable on video. I'm not still particularly comfortable on video, but I've I've accepted that that's part of what we what we do now. Uh, but then I was just trying to create a platform or a community around this idea of I had I was fortunate that I had mentors in my life early on in my career to bring me up. And by the time I got licensed, I was seven years into my career. And I saw that there were other people who didn't have that same luck that I did. Uh, they didn't have the same kinds of mentors. They didn't have the same kinds of people leading them through. And I think the one sort of unfortunate thing about the profession that's still an issue that we're trying to figure out is how do you bring somebody who just graduated into the profession with open arms and like shepherd them through the process of how not just to become an architect, but to become a proficient one? I don't think we want architects out there who just happen to pass the exam and then are going off and doing things. We want them to love the profession and really appreciate all the nuances of things so that we're not only doing things correctly, but we're doing things well and we're pushing the envelope and we're, and we're pushing forward. So Evolving Architect came out of that idea of, I want to put my voice out there. I know a couple things about architecture. I can teach people the things I know and learn a couple things along the way. What about you, Tim? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I, I called it Journey of an Architect because it was exactly that. The idea that I had after I finished passing my last exam and getting licensed was, if in the future I want to start a practice, what work would I design that I would care about? And that simple question led to this journey of trying to design 30 speculative projects by the time I turned 30. When I first started the blog, I was 25 years old. And by the time I turned 29, I finished the 30 projects. And the interesting part of that was sharing that journey along the way with people, I started having people reach out to me with potential projects. And it led to potential client relationships. But I actually just passed those clients to other people because I didn't want to moonlight while I was working. And so instead, the other fascinating part of being on that journey was I thought all 30 projects were going to be architecture. I think half of them, which were 15, ended up being architecture. And a lot of them turned into product design from leatherworking all the way through to actually making things with a laser cutter. And that entire process actually led me to where I am now. And now I have a YouTube channel that I started in May 2020 during the pandemic. And this YouTube channel was purely to explore more about that product design side. And eventually architecture started to come into it too. And it's been such a fascinating journey in how all of the skills I've developed from having the blog to working with Mike on Unpacking Design, the podcast we co-host together, to doing everything that I'm doing now, they all correlated and all the skills that I developed went into that YouTube channel to the point where now it's actually developing a decent amount of passive income after just one year of having it. I don't think this is where I would have been had I not been pursuing all these opportunities along the way and having someone like Mike right next to me during that entire journey. Yeah, both working hard to be leaders in the profession, both content creators um, working really hard at that. Uh, do you both practice still? Do you you still doing architecture? Mm -hmm. no. And and so you're working for others, or do you, are you working on your own? Uh, so I work at a firm. It's about 50 people in Buffalo, New York, uh, but it's not my. I'm not a partner. Yeah. And what about you? Yeah, Tim? and I, I'm in the same position. I'm still working at the firm that I actually started at when I graduated up until now. So I've been here for eight years and still going strong. Um, I didn't think I'd be working at one firm for so long, especially coming from New York City. But yeah, I'm still working at a firm and I'm loving it here with the people that I have around me. And uh, I, I love the YouTube channel, by the way, Tim. I'm a Thank subscriber and, and watch all your videos. I think they're they're really interesting. Um, so the Unpacking Design podcast, where, where, did, where was the inspiration for Unpacking Design? So I think in general, Unpacking Design came from this idea that Tim and I were doing these masterminds pretty much every week, every other week at some point. We started once a month and then they got more regular and more frequent. We were just, we looked at each other and we're like, why aren't we recording more of our conversations? We're already meeting. We're already talking about these things. Why don't we literally unpack the kinds of topics that we're talking about and then share them with designers, creatives, architects, the, a, a larger community so that other people can benefit from what we're talking about. 
And we talked about a lot of, it was far more casual in the early days. We started yeah. talking about things from Squarespace to Star Wars. And then we got into heavier topics like uh, the pay gaps and things like that. And it, we went the whole gamut of what affects a designer's life and career. And we weren't limiting it to architects at that point, And we still really aren't. It's for creatives and designers of all kinds. Um, but we have gotten to a point where we want to talk a little bit about, um, let's say, topics that are more hard hitting, more things that we can teach uh, in more depth. And that's kind of where this newer season is. But Tim, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about more about the podcast, but that's that's basically how it came about. Yeah, the, the funny part about the origin story of unpacking design is that I actually am very afraid of being recorded on audio and video. And those are the two <laughs> things that I'm doing primarily now. So when Mike first approached me, the first thing I was thinking is Mike has always been this go-getter in terms of knowing that something is out there that he wants to try and actually trying it. I've always been the person who would say, I'll try it later. And Mike eventually coaxed me into trying the podcast. And that was my first foray into being recorded, public speaking, and really putting myself out there. And after that moment, we started to develop the, all of these episodes together and we were testing so much as we were going. Then in this past year during the pandemic, I, I remember sitting down with Mike during our mastermind session and asking the simple question of, what do we want to do and leave behind with this podcast? How do we make it something bigger now? Because we've done it for so long that it's no longer me practicing speaking, right? It's more about what topics do we care about and how do we start to, to talk about it in a way that could help another generation of architects or the existing generation of architects that are out there now? And the reason why we started going in this direction is because we were interested in the idea that a lot of architects work in isolation. Whether you want to believe that or not, there are so many architects who believe something about the profession, but don't actually engage another architect and talk it through or to see what someone else is doing and see how they can apply it to themselves. And from that perspective, we then went a little deeper and asked the question of, how do we make the next season of unpacking design something that is bigger and grander than just the architecture profession itself? How do we talk about something in a way where it could speak to the people that are new to the profession, just graduated, and can actually help them think a little bit differently about their lifestyles too? And that's where this whole idea came up of season two, which we ended up calling Life Lessons to My Younger Self. The goal here was Mike would choose six lessons and I would choose six lessons. Those lessons would literally be the things that we know right now that we would want to teach to the younger selves when we first graduated. And it was beyond just architecture. It was things like one of my topics was speaking with clarity. I used to be the person who would show up at a meeting and be so afraid to speak. And I would always stumble on my words or I would say something and not know why I said it. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but you would say it. And afterwards you'd think back like, why, why did I make that comment? Every episode. on so quickly, <laughs> right? And so every time that happened, I realized that over time, just by practicing, there are fundamental skills that I've learned to speak the way that I speak now. And to actually slow down and take my time and believe in the things I say and not just say the things that don't matter. And so that was one of my lessons to my younger self. And, and that's just an example of how this entire season came up and why we're so excited about it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's great. And 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 you speak so well. I mean, it's I I never realized that 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 um, you're speaking now was very intentional. Um, I can relate very much to having a fear of speaking on, on you know, on audio and in public, uh, very much an introvert myself. And, and this whole podcast also was sort of a, a challenge to myself to, to see if I can do it and to, to, to give back. Um, and so I can relate very much to that. Um, I loved season one on how you guys sort of just showed up and challenged one another with sort of a topic. You, you never, one would come with a topic and the other wouldn't know what the topic is going to be. And then you would, you would, uh, you know, have a conversation about that topic. And I love that in season two, you've, you've been more intentional and more focused on speaking to the audience rather than speaking to one another, sort of sharing, still, still speaking to, to one another, but sharing, uh, specific lessons that you've learned. 
Uh, and that's a great one. Mike, do you have uh, an example of one of the, the lessons that you chose? Uh, yeah, I just want to say one uh, sort of behind-the-scenes note that yeah. I think is hilarious still about season <laughs> one is that in all of the 150-plus episodes, there was only one challenge that went unanswered, and we ended up not actually recording that podcast. And uh, I'll let Tim tell you what that is because uh, I challenged him, and, and he didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so so just so everyone knows what we're talking about, when Unpacking Design first started, because we were practicing having a podcast in public speaking, we would come to the table and Mike would have a topic like, let's unpack Squarespace. And I wouldn't know what it is coming to the table. I would just show up, he would bring it up, but he would know that I knew a little bit about it or he would assume that I did. And so the topic that I didn't know much about was Pixar. He started off and said, all this nice stuff about animation and, and movies and storylines. And all of a sudden he says, Tim, today we're going to be unpacking Pixar. And it just cut. I said, no, we're not. And, and we didn't <laughs> unpack it at all. And so that was the only episode that we had a blunder in and we decided to cut it out. Why did you choose not to talk about Pixar? Did you not have enough to, to talk about or just uh, why? Because personally, I, I probably have watched the Pixar movie, but I'm not as uh, as big of a movie buff as Mike is. And so the, it's, it's related to one of the, the other lessons too in, in season two of the podcast, which is, finding your voice and knowing when to say something and not. So if I don't know something about the topic, I'm going to be completely honest and just either not talk about it or let Mike be the only person to talk about it, which wouldn't really work on a podcast where you have this dynamic duo, right? Right. So that, that's the reason why I just shut it down right away. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. Let's talk ArcViz technology. Powered by the near limitless Unreal Engine, our friends at Twinmotion offer a fast and easy way to produce stunning real-time visualizations and immersive experiences for your clients. Twinmotion gives you the tools you need to make faster decisions and relay information to your clients in a way that instantly speaks to them. Breathe life into your scene by changing the season, the weather, the time of day, just by moving a slider. Immersing your clients in a way that they'll love and more importantly, be able to truly picture themselves in. Why not share your design with stakeholders in collaborative reviews and edit your scene together? There's no better way to get buy-in than making your clients feel part of the development process. Right now, they're running an exclusive free trial. Check it out at twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. That's twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect to get Twinmotion for free. BIM can be important for your next project but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to rcat.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you can spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter entrearchitect in the how did you hear about us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entre Architect community. Thank you.
so lessons to my younger self, it's, it's really speaking to young architects, recently graduated and designers, I guess. What are some of the, uh, the, the titles, like what are some of the lessons that you're, you're talking about in the podcast? Yeah, so basically what we did is it's, uh, I think Tim mentioned earlier, it's 12 episodes. So we each took six topics and we alternate each episode is is one. So I I started and my first one was pace yourself. I think, uh, Mark, you know this from having conversations with me and we uh, talked before about burnout. One of the things that's most important to me in the last couple of years of my life is moderation and living a life that is fulfilling, but also something that you can maintain with consistency over the long term. It's not just about uh, meeting one short-term goal with all you have, no matter what. It's about trying to uh, moderate everything that you're doing in your life so that you're doing the fun things, you're doing the exciting things, you're helping other people. Um, but a lot of my topics have to do with that. So pace yourself is one. Um, the other one that uh, just released before we we're recording this is lean into who you are, let go of who you aren't. I think one of the things that I've learned is that uh, self-development and personal development comes with a cost and that's change. And change is necessary to impact your life positively, but it also means letting go of your expectations of who you could have been or who you were before. And we have other topics that we go into a little bit more like burnout is real. Uh, that was a, a pretty heavy topic for me to really dive deep into because I've talked about it a lot, but I was really trying to go as, as uh, deep into the topic as I could. And another favorite of mine is be the hero of your own story. I'm sort of a nerd at heart as you can, I mean, the listeners can't tell, but you can tell by looking at uh, the screen behind me. Um, I have a lot of uh, admiration for superheroes and nerd culture and things like that because they're inspiring to me. And I, I think there's a lot to learn from those kinds of epic stories and those epic tales about what is the hero's journey? How do you go from one place uh, where you don't know anything and you are like presented with the world and all these choices and all these options? How do you become the hero of your story to lead into something great? So those are a couple of mine. What about you, Tim? What What are some others of, of your list? Yeah, on, on my list, I would say that the other two that haven't been released yet but are coming out soon, uh, one of them that was close for me is having a financial plan. And this is not business related. This is personal, right? So having a personal financial plan. And it was something that I really cared a lot about because it's something that, going back to my origin story, relates to the way that I grew up with very little money, in an impoverished neighborhood and trying to figure out how to actually make it in the world that we're in today. And it was something that was never taught to me, right? It's something that I think a lot of my peers always mentioned too. All of the crushing debt that they have from student loans, how are they going to buy their first house? What are their plans for their future? And all these different things just started to, to come down on all of us. And so when I thought about one of the lessons to my younger self, having a financial plan is one of the biggest ones. And Mike is always surprised when he and I have our end of year chit chat and our mastermind sessions, when I tell him and lay out exactly what I'm trying to do financially in the following year and getting to the point of having no debt, which I'll be at by next year. And so that includes paying off a house and all these other things. And I just wanted to share some of the insights that I learned along the way that helped me get there. And then the, uh, another one that I'm really excited for is the last one for the season actually. And it was a lesson that has a longer title. It's, if your life were a book, your actions would be your pen. And the reason why that one particular episode is very, very meaningful to me is because I've always lived my life where I was trying to predict my future. I sat down and planned for so long that I would never take an action to try and get there because I was so afraid of making a mistake along that journey. And if you think about your life as a timeline, you think about your mistakes as a break in that timeline. And most people believe that they need to start again. But now I actually lean into happy accidents and trying to do something, even though I don't know what's going to end up at the other end of it. And as I'm doing this, I'm now learning that that's the way that I actually love to live. I like taking some risk into things that I'm pursuing, like the YouTube channel, like the podcast, and like the blog. If I never did all of these things and did them in succession to one another, 
I would never be at the point that I'm at now where I can think about the world in such a different way. I think a lot of people are in their heads for too long and they, they spend so much time brainstorming and less time actually investing moments of their life into trying to do the things that they want to do. And that's what that last lesson was. Very, it's a it's a very interesting concept because if you if you look at the progression of both of your histories, um, starting with the blog, and then moving into you know earlier uh, seasons of of the podcast, um, even the YouTube channel, early on you were speaking to peers, right? You were sort of sharing your journeys, sort of comparing notes with other people who were going through the same journeys. Today. Um, you're a little bit older, you're a little bit wiser, you have more experience, you've been through some of these, these, uh, these lessons, and now you're, you're, you're reaching back to the younger generation uh, and sort of sharing some of that wisdom with them, saying here are some of the things that I learned along the way. And so um, do you, both of you, do you, do you, do you acknowledge that and do you sort of remember the moment where that shift happened, where it went from speaking to peers to speaking to the younger generation? Yeah, I have a, I have a pretty definitive moment for myself, uh, Mark. And actually I wanted to thank you. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but uh, I first started speaking because somebody found me on that last podcast that we did with uh, the burnout episode and uh, uh, I was offered a chance to speak about burnout for the first time at uh, one of the uh, Construct conferences in, uh, this was in DC. And I remember after that talk, I hadn't, I had literally never talked aside from your podcast about burnout in my life. And it was a little bit raw and I had never really written about it and I had never really thought about it. And after that talk, I, I, got off the stage essentially. And there was just this, like, this little crew of uh, just emerging professionals are like, this is amazing. I don't, nobody talks about this. And this was a couple of years ago at this point. So I think wellness and mental health have become more of a, a natural topic to talk about since then. Uh, but at the time they were just like, I, I can't thank you enough for, for talking about this in such a, an authentic way. And I think that was the moment where I was like, I have transitioned from this, yeah. this, this like time of my life where I'm dealing with it. And now I'm helping somebody else who's behind me in the marathon or who's behind me in the race and I'm passing the baton. I'm sharing that knowledge in a different way. Um, I also, as you, as you were talking, I also just uh, turned 37. So I'm just, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm realizing that through just natural aging as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that happens, right? I mean, because that same thing happened with me when I first started. I started architecture. I started my own firm when I was 29 and and started the blog when I was, I don't even know how old I was. But but it was, it was a, a time where I sort of recognized that I, I have lessons to share. I have, I have knowledge that I can share. And I could choose to keep it to myself or I can share it and inspire others to share it as well. And, and that's how I'm trying to make the world better. And I know both of you are the same way, that, that, that much of your mission is to inspire others to do the same thing that you're doing because that's how the world becomes a better place. What about you, Tim? Do you, do you, do you remember that moment where you sort of had that, that uh, paradigm shift? Yeah, I, I think that there were two moments for me. The first one was actually in, the, in this year, in 2021, uh, Mike actually challenged me to submit a proposal to speak at the Young Architect Conference with Michael Rasika. Yeah. And it's because Mike spoke there and he was like, Tim, you have to you have to submit something. And so I said, OK, I put something together and it was a, a topic about overcoming imposter syndrome. It's something that I was feeling because I started the YouTube channel. And I think most people stop themselves because of that feeling. Yeah. And I had never spoken to a large audience about a topic like this before. So as soon as I submitted it, I remember meeting with his coach and his coach was there to, to teach us how to speak better and how to have a good presentation. And the moment that we did that, he decided to make mine the keynote, the opening keynote. And I, I never thought about myself as a speaker, even having had unpacking design since 2017 to now. And eventually when I gave that presentation, I saw how many people were engaged by what I had to say. And after that, 
an app came out called Clubhouse. At the beginning of it, it was all uh, you had to be invited in order to be on the app, and all the people on there were celebrities. And as soon as you get on there, there was so much momentum back in January of 2021. And I remember going on there and just listening to all these conversations. It's an audio-based app, and you have to just join. You listen, and when you want to speak, you raise your hand and jump on stage. And once you start doing it enough, you start seeing that there are a lot of people who might not know too much about the topics that they're talking about, but they're just trying to get followers. And then you have other people who are extremely authentic and genuine. And I think a lot of introverts are very genuine people because it's hard for us to to say something and, and try and cover it up. And so as soon as I joined that platform, I started being invited to stages to speak. And at some point, I started to join stages with Chris Doe, who is from the future, right? Yeah. He has this yeah. group called The Future Without an E. And I had a topic where I spoke with him about how learning and teaching are the ways that you grow. And after that presentation or that clubhouse session, there were, I think, over 400 people who attended it. And after it ended, Mike reached out to me. So Mike Lavalle was like, Tim, that was probably one of the best clubhouse sessions I've heard or listened into. And the moment that it, that ended, I realized that people were looking for me in Clubhouse because they wanted to hear more from me. And that was the moment when I realized people want to learn something from me. Yeah. When you when you figure out that people want to learn from you, I think that's when that inflection happens, where it's not about you just trying to learn on your own anymore. It's the fact that you've developed so much skills through practice that you inherently can teach it to someone else without even realizing that you're that's what you're doing. But then the other side of it was, how do you do it through audio? How do you do it through video? How do you do it through all these other means? And I think it's because of Clubhouse and apps like that, that I was able to at least get to a point where I can teach and, and talk in a succinct way where someone can get something at the other end. Inspiring. Both of you guys are, are inspiring to, to watch your journeys from where you were to where you are today. What uh, do you have plans for future seasons? Do you have any? You want to give any uh, hints on on where you're going next? So I would say that in general we are in that sort of development period. The one thing that we did this time uh, that we didn't do in season one. Season one was a straight shot of 150 plus weeks in a row of just <laughs> here's an episode a week. Here you go. And what we did this. Uh, season intentionally was it's every other week and we're giving ourselves that off week to go on clubhouse, you know, talk to the community, uh, chat about the episode and really dive into it more. And I think in that interim period now, we're kind of in the middle of like, what is the next season? What is the next thing after that? Uh, we're about halfway through right now. The episodes go through the end of the 2021 and then, you know, something, some other theme I think is kind of where we're going uh, that, We'll wrangle in maybe not 12 episodes, maybe 10, maybe 15. We don't know. But something that is an umbrella, I think, really worked well to help us just figure out where where we wanted to go in a way that was meaningful. Yeah, I think for us right now, we're just thinking about the future of unpacking design as something where it can be this masterclass level um, uh, episodes where if someone joins and listens into any of these topics that we're talking about, it's not just bantering back and forth anymore. It's actually thought through. There is an outline. There's something that we can dive deeper into. But as we do that, they have to be something that we've done before. It has to be something that we've experienced, something that we failed at, something that we succeeded at. It has to be something that we can talk about from that level. It can't be a topic where we don't know anything about it and we're just bantering about it, right? So that's where we are now. Anything that we do for the Unpacking Design podcast has to be something we've experienced and that we have an emotional attachment to at some level. We also both know about the topics ahead of time before we talk about them, so no more Pixar episodes. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. And I and I love the idea that that the first season was sort of you you know, sort of getting your legs under you and, and sort of experimenting and challenging one another and learning learning how to podcast and how to do it well. And then season two is sort of taking all that knowledge that you gained from doing that uh, and taking your experience through time and really turning it into lessons, that these are master classes, that when you listen to this episode, you're going to learn something that you can then take and make your life a better, a better life by listening. Um, I love that approach. Um, 
at the end of every episode, I ask a final question uh, for each of my of my guests. Um, and the idea is to sort of take that that question, which is a big open-ended question, um, and be able to uh, sort of compare and contrast all the different answers. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys that same question. What's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Tim, what's your what's your answer to that? So my, my answer to that actually comes from a recent uh debate that happened in an online community where it was about this idea of architecture and the ways that we talk to each other, right? So how architects talk from one architect to another for giving advice, for mentorship, for any of that. And my advice to a small firm architect would be to try and break free from the mentality of no. That if someone approaches you, whether it's another young architect, if it's a client, if it's a contractor, and they ask you a question, not to approach it from the perspective of, no, you can't do that right off the bat. Take some time, develop your ideas, see what really is being asked, and then answer after that. Because what you end up finding is that there are more options out there than the one that originally came to mind. And if you just take some time to let it breathe, you'll eventually find the answers that are true to you. And your clients will appreciate it, the people you mentor will appreciate it, and the people who are just looking for guidance will appreciate that. And the moment you can start guiding your answers towards a yes, if it's trying to get a, a new client or a project, you'll eventually find the people that work well with you because you've taken the time to really brainstorm it. I think we are, a majority of architects are introverted by nature. And so when you're asked a question, you jump to a conclusion and you immediately share it. And instead of doing that, I find that, especially now when I'm in direct contact with all, all of the clients at the firm now that I'm working at, that they appreciate when you don't answer right away. When you stay quiet after the question is asked, you listen for a little bit, you see what's really coming out of that question, and then you answer afterwards. Because sometimes there's something hidden within the question that you can actually answer by asking a question back and getting more insight instead of trying to give the answer and being the person who knows it all. So never approach the world from that perspective of knowing it all. Always be curious and try and get to yes. Yeah, more wisdom shared by Mr. Tim Mung. Uh, Mike, what about you? So I think in the time since we talked last, Mark, uh, on the podcast, the one thing that has struck me is how long our lives can be and how many times we have at-bats to do whatever it is that we want to do. And so for me, it's less about trying to stuff all this stuff into like this one condensed portion of your life and understand that similar to what Tim was talking about before, that you can write your life in chapters. You can think of it in, in different sequences and different uh, moments throughout your life. And when I was coming out of burnout, the one thing I realized was that my life was kind of all out of whack. And I think all of this success starts with the individual. It's just, it starts with reflection on where you are in your life and who you want to be in the future. And so rather than thinking, this is what I tell a lot of people who are dealing with burnout is don't think of your life as like this work-life balance scale where it's like the scales of justice, where it's like either or it's black or white. There's one answer or another. Your life has much more tone and nuance to it, whether it's your family, your work, your faith, your hobbies, your just whatever you're interested in, those things create more of a harmony across each other and think about where you are now and maybe work is the thing that you want to focus on or maybe family is but i think when you have more of a harmony within your life and you have developed a sense of self for yourself you're able to be more successful at those other things like i am more successful today because i have more control over those pieces of my life than i did before I was just like freewheeling it for a little bit for with Evolving Architect because I was just like, hey, here's a course. Hey, here's a thing. Here's a thing. I'm, I'm working as an architect during the day. I'm doing Evolving Architect at night. And like I burned myself out. And I think that once I had more control over that, I lost 75 pounds. I've kept all that weight off. I've just like I've once you have control over these things that are markers in your life and things that are triggers, it's easier to set the stage for consistency and then do whatever it is that you want to do. So I think that's the best way to get to a better architecture firm or success in any way. 
Very inspiring answers from both of you. Tim Ung and Mike Lavalley, the dynamic duo at unpackingdesign.com. Uh, that, that's the website that you can go to to listen to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. Go do that. Go subscribe. Go listen. Uh, it's a great podcast. I love the new season. Uh, so unpackingdesign.com. We'll have a link to that on the show notes. Also, go check out Michael Valley's new pod, uh, new website, michaelavalley.com. You can learn all about him and all the new things he's doing. michaelavalley.com. We'll have a link to that too. Tim and Mike, thank you very much for uh, all the work that you have done and continue to do in the profession, the leadership that you bring to the profession. Uh, you are both inspiring. It, it's exciting to watch our profession and how it's evolving. You know, uh, when I was a young architect, even before I was a young architect, I had so many architects sort of talk to me in a very negative, very pessimistic, pessimistic way. And that's, that's shifted tremendously in our profession. Our profession is much more optimistic, uh, much more sharing, much more giving. And that is due to people like both of you who are out there actively uh, uh, sharing the knowledge that you have transparently uh, very often authentically and, and very vulnerably, um, that, that is shifting the profession and the way it, it, is, it is practiced and the way that we share with one another, which makes the world better, right? Because if we're more successful, the world becomes a better place. And so I, I thank you for your leadership and your, and your contributions. And I thank you for being here today and sharing your information and your knowledge uh, here at Entree Architect Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Mark. That was very kind. And uh, we, I appreciate you. I don't want to speak for Tim, but I really appreciate you as well. Um, you know, when we were looking at the podcast, we were looking at examples like your podcast to to take inspiration from. So thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I was on 250 something episode and now you're, you know, over 400. You're like one of the godfathers of this architecture <laughs> podcast thing. So, yeah, I think the only the only thing that I want to add to that is that Mark, I want to thank you for having the Entree Architect community because no matter where I go, that's the one thing people always bring up at all these professional conventions that we go to. It's always, have you heard of Mark and the Entree Architect community? And as soon as they start talking about it, everyone lights up. And the positivity that you were talking about is true, especially within your own community online and offline. So thanks for having it. You're very welcome, and thank you for that. I appreciate that. That, that uh, inspires me and gives me fuel to continue. So thank you very much. I appreciate you both. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how you could help grow Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors, FreshBooks, RCAT and Twin Motion for their support of this episode. Links to all our sponsors and all our resources that we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. That's you. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. Go there now. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership. Ready to edit business resources for architects, live monthly business training for architects, a supportive architect community, and simple systems. Our new business system program developed for you, the small firm entrepreneur architect. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership, including AIA continuing education learning units. Yep. They are there, there too. Entree Architect is there for you. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Thanks for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it guys. Oh my One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.